Hello, and welcome to Branching Path Podcast, Episode 4. I'm your host, Kyle, joined by some idiot named John. John, how are you today? Uh, I'm too dumb to know. How are you? <laughs> <laughs> well said, John. You're getting smarter by the minute. Yay. <laughs> uh, today's, today's topic is going to be broadly about open world games in general, but we're probably going to spend the vast majority of our time today talking about Breath of the Wild in particular, because John and I have many, many, many things to say about this game. Some positive, don't worry, although a lot negative. So stay strapped in if you're a big fan and you get really butthurt when people criticize things that you like. Um, before we start that, though, we'll kind of start with what we usually do, which is chatting about what we've been playing lately. Uh, John, why don't you kick us off? I know you haven't played a ton in the last uh, little bit, aside from Breath of the Wild. Anything aside from Breath of the Wild? Uh, I played a little bit of Dragon Quest Nine, um, which I, I just absolutely love that game. Um, of course, every time I, I start that up, I have to deal with that really slow fucking start. Um, oh, it's so bad. We, we, we messaged about this, but that's I, I never got very far in 9, but all I remember is trying a second time, because I was like, oh, it's really, you know, people love this game. I'm a big Dragon Quest fan. I got to give this a try again. And like an hour in, I was like, no, this is too much. I can't. This is egregious. It really thing. drags on. Um, but but yeah. uh, Dragon Quest Nine is a game I like mechanically more than anything else. I, I right. like... You know, I like the turn-based battles. I like that you get to make your party members and yeah, omit it scratches them. your itch. It scratches your itch of making your own exactly. game characters. But John, even better than that, is a character creation man. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I am, and I'm going to bring that up today. <laughs> but even better than that, you can omit them and get like quadruple the e the exp. So I like to figure out a build that just works, and I can play alone. <laughs> Oh, I see. Okay. Right. Oh, I remember seeing one of your save files ages ago, and, and I booted it up. Like, I was at your house, and I checked it out, and it was just your one party member, and I think I asked you where everybody else was. <laughs> you said the same thing then. So. Oh, yeah. I had Axes of Evil, so I had an AoE attack, because I, I love Axes in that game so much, and I was just nice. decimating everything. <laughs> Sweet. Um, so aside from Dragon Quest IX, um, uh, Breath of the Wild was kind of the main thing that you played the, the last week in a bit? Yep, just revisiting that so we could discuss it today. Um, and not much Dragon Quest Nine. It's it's like I said, it's very slow. So I'm just slowly chipping away at that intro so I can get to the good shit. Nice. Yeah, um, yeah, fair that's, enough. That's it for me. What even plan? Uh, oh well, that can't be it for you, John, because uh, you must have played some Xenoblade. In the uh, last two weeks. I'm not. What, what game? What game is this? It's called Xenoblady. Uh, Xenoblady. I don't know how you say. It. You always are talking about it, so. Zeno Baladi. Uh, <laughs> this joke is fucking terrible. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right, you bitch. So, uh, moving on. John's been playing nothing but Xenoblade, but I. Uh, so last we left off, I was playing Skyward Sword. I actually I listened to a bit of our, our last podcast, and I very early on said, uh, and I quote, "I'm definitely going to finish it in regards to Skyward Sword uh, on the Switch." And then, funnily he enough, did. a week later, I decided I was definitely not going to finish it. He didn't. So, I'm a liar. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so sorry to everybody that made plans based on me having finished the game. You're going to have to cancel some stuff. I'm sorry. Um, so, I won't go too, too much in detail here. Maybe we should have a retrospective of, of some Zelda games in the future. But Skyward Sword has a lot of awesome moments, some very good dungeons. I, I did say in, in our, our podcast last time that the moment-to-moment -moment gameplay suffers because of the motion control. And I, I, that eventually wore on me. It became too much of a problem. It's compounded by the fact that the game has you revisit the same three areas. And my memory of the game was that 
while you're revisiting these, you know, quote unquote, same areas, you're really seeing a new section of it each time. So it's, it's, it's new, right? I remember a lot of people complaining about that whole revisiting aspect, but thinking, oh, that's kind of overblown because you're always going to a new area. But Skyward Sword has you do so much tedious backtracking and revisiting of the exact same section of this area you've been to three times already. It's like, it's kind of offensive. And by the third time round, I was kind of going through a guide just to make sure I hadn't missed anything and I was doing all the side quests. And I looked at how much game I had left to play and where it was going to take me and what I had to do. And I was like, oh God, I'm not, I'm surely I'm not going to do that. <laughs> so, so, so I stopped. Um, yeah, I, I mean, it, it definitely, I wish I, it had held my attention. I remember having pretty fond memories and feelings overall about the game last time when I, I played it when it came out. And I'm, I'm sad I'm not going to get to do that final Girahim fight. I always thought that was so friggin' cool. Um, I just, I'll have to watch it on YouTube, I guess. But uh, Skyward Sword HD, definitely better than the original, but the original is a pretty weak Zelda game. I think in my like ranking of Zelda games, it's really fallen probably close to the bottom as far as mainline Zeldas go. So yeah, Skyward Sword is kind of poo, and, and I maintain motion controls suck butthole aside from in VR. I didn't play um, much Skyward, but that, that dungeon you're talking about reminds me of... Um... I can't remember the name, but it's like the Ocean Palace or something from Phantom Hourglass that you have to revisit so many fucking times. Mm. Uh, I don't know so if this you is ever, funny. So ever played I was going to say, I haven't played Phantom Hourglass at all, so this is this will be a great discussion topic. Let's go. <laughs> I remember almost nothing <laughs> about it, so what does that tell you? <laughs> Except for that one negative. Yeah, very good. Um, but yeah, so it, it's definitely, again, I'm kind of bummed. I wish that it, it had you know, worked out. I feel like I'm describing a breakup that's how i always feel with a game i don't finish i'm like oh you know we both tried super hard to make it work but in the end it's just we weren't right for each other so well you said it yeah, best so I, you said it best last podcast that all of this is just jealousy from us we just what do you want, mean we want to like everything as much as other people do <laughs> oh yes <laughs> yeah true yeah we do yeah that's 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 part of the whole gaming community thing right when something comes out and everybody's talking about how great it is you want to experience how great it is too. And then when it's not great for you, I mean, of course, you never assume you're the problem. It has to be other people in the game. That's right. So then you, you rationalize and you decide to make a podcast to talk about it. So here exactly. we are. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so move, after I after I stopped Skyward Sword, I was kind of unsure what I was going to move on to. But John and I have wanted to do a Final Fantasy VII remake podcast. That was kind of, I think, one of the main things that kicked off the whole inception of this podcast to begin with is we had so much we wanted to talk about with that game. Um, almost entirely negative. And I was like, you know what? I haven't played it since since we both were last playing it simultaneously. And we actually, the last we played of it, I'm guessing for you it's the same, John, was when we actually played it together at your place. We played probably four or five hours. Yep. Yeah, so I, I had gotten to a point where you, I hadn't quite gotten to the Airbuster fight. John had just finished the Airbuster fight and fallen down to meet Aerith. And we kind of picked up from his save file to see, because we were both kind of at that point getting pretty sick of the game. And it was basically a four to five hour bitch session about how terrible it was. Anyways, pretty much. I digress. We'll talk We'll talk about this more in the future. But I'm playing that again in, a, in an effort to kind of prepare some notes for for our big discussion podcast in, in a couple weeks. And uh, surprisingly enough, I have found a way to enjoy it. Um, it's far from fucking perfect and I'm going to have most of my notes app is all negative comments which is funny because in general I'm kind of enjoying it and after we're done here I'm probably going to go play it and I'm looking forward to doing that so 
Um, that's the only other thing I've been playing. I, I did buy Transistor. You'll notice I didn't give you any time to talk there, John, because I'm afraid of what you're going to say to me. Just <laughs> save it for the podcast with Final Fantasy VII Remake. We can have the big blowout then. Please don't attack me right now. Um, so I bought <laughs> I bought Transistor on the on the PlayStation Store yesterday. There was a, there's a summer sale I think that ends today yet, um, and it was wicked on sale. I was a huge fan of Hades, um, one of their Super Giants' most recent game. Supergiant, of course, has made Bastion, Transistor, a game that's like a, or a there's like a sport element to it. I always forget the name of. I think it was probably their least popular. Uh, Spire, Spire, I think. Spire, yes, yes, Spire. Thank you. And then Hades was their most recent, but Hades was incredible. It was probably, if not my game of the year for 2020 personally, it was definitely up there. Um, and Transistor just has always had such a cool concept with the whole like she's a singer, and I think she has a sword that like I don't know if it sings or makes music or something, but there's a whole you know music element to it that's up front and center and i'm a big video game music fan so i'm gonna try that probably in the next couple of weeks so we'll probably chat about that next time cool cool um do you want to jump right into breath of the wild uh let's get at it man okay i'm gonna let john more or less kind of guide this for now we'll see i, I mean i'll see if i can let go of the reins i'm a pretty controlling son of a bitch so <laughs> um but john has the more, more recent notes and he played it more recently so john why don't you take it away uh, okay, let's just get right into it. Um, both of us have some pretty negative feelings toward this game, but in my notes here, one of the first notes I took was, I, depending on my mood, I either love or hate this game. It's been that way since day one. Um, I mean, I mean, day one with the hype of a new Zelda game, it's a little easier to just get in and, and enjoy it because you're riding that wave. But uh, as I keep playing, I inevitably just my good time starts to fall apart and I can't help but like wish this was a, more of a traditional Zelda game um, and a lot of it for me comes down to the tedium especially in master mode my most recent playthrough is master mode um, just you know I wanted the added difficulty but it, despite the open world kind of sandbox nature of this, I, f I feel like Nintendo can't help but introduce some handholdy elements, um, mm -hmm. like the the speed in NPC dialogue when you're like at a shop or upgrading your armor at the ferry. Like everything has this like unnecessary ceremonious padding to it, and I want to upgrade a bunch of things at once, or I want to do a lot of shopping because I'm just flush with those sweet sweet rupees. <laughs> and and from all my grass cutting, you know, <laughs> and it's just wait, so hold on. I'm, I'm fucking just, tedious. Sorry, I'm just realizing. I'm realizing that Zelda games are basically just a game about being a kid who cuts lawns for the summer. Pretty and, much, and yeah. you spend spends his allowance on weapons. <laughs> and none of this is happening. You're just in like a really special boy's imagination. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this this should be the next mainline Zelda game. We should pitch this, but yeah. Um, before we get more in the weeds, I should probably mention that we're gonna change the name of the podcast to the Picking Nits podcast because we gonna be picking some nits. <laughs> we have a lot of little things to talk about with with this game, and we're definitely gonna do the same with Final Fantasy VII Remake when the time comes. But definitely. Um, where where do you want to start in in terms of kind of mechanically? what what doesn't work for you and and you know mostly for me too i think i'm gonna i agreed with you on most of your points you laid out before we started recording where did you want to start it i'm gonna fail to articulate this now that we're recording um just this happens every time but uh just to finish my thought there um with, with the hand holding element i i feel like nintendo has a really hard time letting go of the reins which is kind of funny because 
in in this game so little of what you're doing is directed by them <laughs> or feels mm-hmm. directed by them because it's so open-ended but you get to a, a moment where um like i said you're doing some shopping or or upgrading some gear and it's just it feels really bogged down by um the really tedious dialogue and the fact that you have to see this little scene every time yeah um, yeah it's it's a, it's a minor nitpick in the in the grand scope of things but it's it really stood out to me playing this again where i feel like my good time is constantly interrupted by that crap <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I mean, in a lot of ways too. You want to talk about maybe some of the the combat interruption? Um. Yeah. Like so, I, this is a master mode playthrough, so it is a little bit different than what I remember from vanilla. Um, and maybe you remember this a little better than than me. But weapons break really fast in master mode. I think faster than than vanilla. Um, and. Your combat strategy in master mode is you're either going to wait for nighttime and sneak attack with your strongest weapon, um, or you're going to use a Korok leaf or and some bombs and push enemies off cliffs like mm-hmm. for for almost every encounter because shit breaks way too fast. But when you do get into an actual battle and and you're enjoying that kind of risky play, if you're not dead in a single hit, you're in your menu after a single hit, chugging random mushrooms or whatever you've managed to cook and interrupting that cool combat flow um, when it actually does happen, because I think the combat in this game isn't particularly good. Um, and you're, you're interrupting that to just eat some random garbage and get your hearts back. <laughs> and, and then and even even the flurry mode, like the, the big thing here is, and honestly what combat boils down to if you're actually fighting and not stealth killing or blowing people off of cliffs, um, it boils down to dodging one attack and spamming Y for the flurry, right? Yeah. Uh, and even that is, is slowed down. So it's, I, I don't know, um, the, the pacing feels constantly interrupted by this kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, I think the combat in, in the game is, in general, like you said, pretty weak. Your options are basically a very short little repeatable combo with your you know basic attack button, and then throwing your weapon, which is you know a one-time thing and kind of neat, I guess, when you try it the first couple of times, but it, it doesn't really hold much value after that for me, as, at least as far as its enjoyability. And then the flurry thing. So you're either pressing whatever the attack button is, or you're doing a last-minute dodge and then mashing the attack button. That's it. That's the depth of combat for this game. Um, Pretty much. I've seen lots of videos with people getting creative with combat and doing neat things with the environment and stuff, and and that's cool. Um, but it's not, you know, it, it's often not available. It's often not really an option, or it's such an effort to set up those cool things that you you know you're not going to do it in the moment-to-moment gameplay. You're just going to try and take them out as quickly as you can. And yeah, the, the interruptions are brutal. You're, you're always, if something breaks, you're, you know, right away you're in the menu now to pick something else. Even if it's brief, it, it breaks up the, the flow huge. It, like you said, if you take a hit, I have very fresh memories of those fucking Lionel enemies, those centaur dudes. Oh, um, right. Even on normal mode, like if you take a hit from them, you're in the menu healing up. You Right away, you're press start, find your stupid fucking foods you made. We'll talk about the cooking. I hate the cooking. <laughs> um, and you link eat seven things in the span of a microsecond, uh, and then you exit the menu and you're back to it again. It's it just it's super clunky. It doesn't feel great. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, and they 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 could have done it so much better. They could have had some kind of real time item wheel. Um, you right. know, if you if you can pause combat to chug a gigantic steak, 
uh, then you can suspend your disbelief enough for Link to just instantly use the item from from a wheel right. or something, right? Or or yeah. do the yep. Dark Souls style thing where you can walk around with a potion chugging animation or something, right? Yep. Um, and I find myself each each time I play, inevitably, I, I just farm fairies at the fairy fountains so that if I happen to die, I'll just get some hearts back without having to interrupt it every time. Yeah, yeah, smart. Um, um, weapon breaking, should we just go right into that, or is there something else we should do first? I'll just jump right into it. Well, we're on the subject of combat, so might as well. Um, okay. Yeah, I mean, you and I have never been big fans of this. There are moments, uh, even with this playthrough on Master Mode, where it feels like things break in two hits. Um, there are moments where I do appreciate um, the way it forces me to play. I, I feel like uh, Breath of the Wild is perfect for a tinkerer. You know, if you love to interact with all of these systems, and, and all the all the objects in this game have their own unique properties, and they all interact right. in different ways, right? If you're someone who really likes to play with that stuff, like this is like Zelda heaven for you. Um, but I'm definitely more combat focused in a game like this. You know, they're trying to create the feeling of you being like this badass adventurer, right? Or this person who will grow into being this badass adventurer. And it never feels that way for me in this game hmm. um, because I have no incentive to engage with combat. Um, and that, that, to me, that comes down to the weapon breaking. My reward for combat is often just more weapons to fuel more combat. Um, yeah, absolutely. Or it's it's you know rupees, which is I don't ru- know what do you rupees, really use yeah. rupees for in this game? Um, armor, I guess. You buy some armor. Buy some armor. Uh, shopping for arrows and supplies, and and that's another aspect I do like sometimes. Um, in, in master mode, especially, you do kind of have to to prep and you know do the cooking and, and engage with that a little bit more than than you have to in vanilla at least i feel um but still not really like <laughs> i buy the shika <laughs> armor and i sneak around at night and i stealth kill everything with the first powerful weapon i find in that shrine on the dueling peaks because it has 32 attack and yep. when that fails i use bombs in a korok leaf and i win anyway right um, or if there, there's one like really annoying um shrine to unlock where there's this massive like winding path in the in the water and you need to carry one of those little robot spheres all the way through this path uh, around this path as it winds towards the center and at the center you put it down in this you've unlocked this shrine in master mode that thing has like 30 powerful enemies that for the most part will one shot you unless you've spent tons of time before this getting good gear and, and all the hearts in that i had three hearts when i did this and it was still super <laughs> it was still super easy to do oh okay but but it was tedious to do and and tedious because i'm not going to engage with combat there's no way i will get through this with how fast all my shit breaks even though i've already found some really good weapons um and i'll die in one hit if i happen to fuck up one of the many many flurries i'll end up performing <laughs> right <laughs> the only thing you'll perform because it's all that works um I shouldn't say that's all that works, but it's, I don't know, it's like the most, uh, the greatest reward for like the least amount of risk. You get it from one yeah. dodge, right? There's there's a lot of spongy enemies, in my opinion, in, in uh, uh, Breath of the Wild. Right. Those Lionels, again, especially. I hate the sponginess of a lot of the enemies, but you're right, Flurry Rush is really your option for dishing out a half-decent amount of damage. Pretty much. Um, um, yeah. And I feel like I... I can't this is just anecdotal i can't really confirm this i haven't looked it up but i feel like when you're doing a flurry it doesn't um damage your weapon as much 
Hmm. That'd be my guess. I mean, it, it must at least reduce per hit. There's no way it, it counts the same every hit you do because then they'd break in two seconds. Right. I, I don't. I don't think um, they take quite as much damage while you're in the middle of that. But it, I, you know, I, I unlock this shrine in about ten minutes or something like that. Just wonder. It's like first try. It wasn't that hard. I didn't lose the orb at all. You just. I had the stealth armor, so I think yeah, you're also. Um, it's easier to sneak around when it's raining. I think I read that somewhere. So it, it was raining at the time because it's always raining in this fucking game. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I, I managed to get that the first try, and because I didn't, I, I didn't fight, so I didn't lose any weapons on the way to doing this. This shrine had no combat challenge, so I get into this shrine, um, and if I remember correctly, one of the things you get in a chest in this shrine is a weapon. But I have a limited inventory and no reason or no incentive to use my weapons. So I end up playing a bit of weapon Tetris because I want to see that chest completion icon on my fucking map. (laughs) And I'm throwing away a good weapon to loot this chest because it doesn't count until you loot the chest. uh, Only to then exchange it by, you know, I throw it on the ground and I pick up the one that I had already. It's just, it really, I'm struggling for the word here, but I want to say... I don't know, maybe tacky or just there's no it, it's a, sense it's of reward a for weird, this. It's also a weird oversight though to because because I remember that whenever you try and open a chest but your weapons are full and it's a weapon, instead of just opening and letting you exchange from a menu, yes. it says nope, weapon weapons are full. You can't even see what this is. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> like what the hell? Why? Why would that be the choice? That's a, that's a really good thing to point out, um, and. It, kind of calls back to that tedium I was talking about. There are little niceties that, that there's no reason they shouldn't exist. Um, and the fact that they don't means this game is just constantly wasting little bits of your time. And for me, that adds up, and I get frustrated, and i got to turn it off for a while. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. It's it's weird for me in the big games like this, too. Like, I'll never really understand a AAA game like this missing out on those little quality-of-life features when they get play-tested to shit, right? Yeah, I mean, we have to assume. I'm, I'd like to, to know really how much QA these things go through. But, um, yeah, you have to assume if it did, someone would have brought this up by now. But someone this is also made a note. <laughs> this is also a staple in a lot of Zelda games, right? Um, Twilight Princess, I think, is, the, correct me if I'm wrong, but that one's famous for that, um, at least initially, always, every time you, re- you boot up the game and you pick up an item, it treats it like you've never seen it before. <laughs> That so that's that's Skyward Sword. Oh, that's um, Skyward. And they, okay. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe Twilight Princess did the same thing. It might have. Uh, Skyward Sword definitely did it. Not on the Switch version, thankfully. They actually fixed that finally. Oh, nice. Yeah. Finally. Finally. Uh, and just in time for you to put it down. Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't <laughs> enough, man. It wasn't enough to to fix a broken game. So, Kyle, have you played Master Mode at all? No, I haven't played Master Mode at all. I did some of the like the DLC Master Sword Trials, but that's a completely different thing. Although that was the most difficulty I had experienced playing Breath of the okay. Wild. I haven't actually engaged with the DLC much at all. Um, and I think it's, that it's Master pretty... Cycle is terrible. <laughs> yeah, me too. Again, just, just <laughs> thematically. like the, Surely there was something better than a Master Cycle. Um, yeah, it feels like a, a just that's what you paid for this what do they call it dlc pass or whatever this is the, right this this is awful <laughs> yeah <laughs> um so let's talk about weapon breaking a bit more so mm. one of the things that i see echoed a lot on the internet that i agree with is that the weapon breaking 
really like de-incentivizes um, exploration or, or at least it undercuts the value of, of many of the rewards the game gives you weapons because they're so temporary right and the game only has so many rewards it can give you it basically has three things in my, in my mind it can give you a chest with a weapon a chest with money i guess four things a chest with some sort of like you know ammunition or i guess technically armor can be found in some chest but that's pretty rare and then the last thing is is those orbs for upgrading your health or upgrading your stamina right yeah for finishing the shrine yeah so the shrine rewards actually let me start there for a second the shrine rewards oh my god it, it's so boring so fast <laughs> like just it, it's a heart piece essentially right but but even less than that it's a heart piece that's worth less now because you also have to upgrade your stamina so it's a, it's it's really it's an eighth of a heart not a quarter of a heart <laughs> pretty much <laughs> because you're gonna have to be doing both upgrade paths right because you, you need both you need more stamina you need more health um and there's what like 108 shrines or something in the game 120 i think 120 oh great uh like that reward after 10 shrines is just so uninteresting yes i i it's it's nice to have every time i like when i get more stamina i like when i have more health but like talk about a shitty incentive after you've done it a few times same thing with now the weapons but maybe even worse because every time you get a new weapon you're just it, it's such a temporary reward there's no real like victory there there's no oh my god yeah i got this awesome strong weapon i'll hit a lionel seven times with it and it'll break <laughs> fucking whoop-de-doo like why, why would i get excited about that so so my incentive for exploration the two big things now weapons which i just can't bring myself to care about because there's no permanence to them um anyways it'd be no different to, the, to you just giving me a steel broadsword that has 25 base attack the whole game that's the only weapon that populates breath of the wild that to me i'm i'd be just as excited about finding those swords as i am excited about finding the weapons in breath of the wild as it is now <laughs> because of how i how just your relationship to them and how how they you know how, how impermanent they are right. and then the second big reward is those orbs well what's my incentive now for exploration after i've played the game for 15 20 hours and i've i've seen you know every weapon and and every you know every orb you know there's only one type of orb but i've done 10 dungeons and i've done sorry 10 shrines and i've gotten you know a couple weapon chests i know what to expect over every corner now it's always going to be the same thing right and none of it is that exciting none of it really keeps me keeps me there yeah no, i, I want to say there's there's an alternative reward in a game like this that i'd be willing to accept and that's that's either really interesting things to see out in the world or some appreciable amount of lore and you don't get either in this game right um the the story tidbits you get to me are pretty low impact um there are some scenes in the memories i think are pretty cool and i definitely i can appreciate the focus on like zelda's struggle to to measure up to expectations but i you know they didn't do enough with that um and there's, you know, I'm okay with some like really organic um, gameplay and discoveries too. There's, there's one thing I in the last play session actually I was gliding down to a shrine, I spotted a cave I hadn't seen before that kind of blended in nicely with this cliff wall and I almost missed it and I immediately changed course because I'm excited about this thing. That cave was a single circular room with nothing in it. <laughs> like there's 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 just no reason 
The coolest thing in these games that you'll spot randomly are the um, great beasts, whatever the fuck those are called, and uh, those big, big ass dragons. Um, the first time you see one of those flying around, it's like, ooh, damn, I gotta have to stay away from that fucking thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, but very quickly that becomes pretty old hat, and um, the great beasts are no substitute for a classic Zelda dungeon. I think they're actually pretty terrible. Yeah, I, I found the great beasts really unenjoyable as as a dungeon substitute. Yeah, and you, so you don't even really have that to look forward to. Every shrine is, and there's some really cool puzzles, but they get old pretty quick. Um, visually, they're almost all the same, if not all yes. the same. I don't remember yeah, if there's ever big... anyone that stands out. But no, they're a big. That's a huge downside to the shrines, in my opinion, is that they are all like identical, really, from a. Uh, architecture perspective and i guess you know lore wise that makes some sense but i don't really give a shit <laughs> make them look cool yeah you know what i i would be okay with finding out a little bit more about um why these sheikah people were willing to die in these shrines to hold this orb for link in the future or whatever sure right? yeah why not why not have lore be a bit of a reward for the shrines too give me some of that give me a, a flashback where there's one of these these monks or whatever you want to call them really struggling with having to make that choice yeah, um, absolutely. Just, just show me something that's going to make me care about these people at all. Um, you get you get none of that, and I'm going to segue into that um, my issue with Impa quickly, um, just because it's in the same vein here. But one moment I really dislike early on is you're kind of told to go to Kakariko Village because they give you that golden dot on your map, uh, that you know a little bit of guidance early on, and you go there if you're a new player and um i mean not everybody will but i definitely did i went there to see what was going on and immediately one of the first things impa says actually even before that entering kakariko these people are being told legends about who you are it's been a hundred years but you're i gotta imagine you're almost like a minor freaking deity to these things these things these people <laughs> these things <laughs> beneath me <laughs> Classic Hyrule racism. Um, uh, and, w w you know, with the stories being passed down. But they, they don't recognize you. Uh, when they find out who you are, their reaction to that is either non-existent or really minor. Um, you go talk to Impa, and one of the first things she says to you is, are you ready to, like, <laughs> but despite not recognizing her, are you ready to, like, risk it all and save Hyrule? And it's like... How can I be invested in any of this before I've, you know, you've told me that Link has lost his memories. It's been a hundred years. I have no idea what you're, uh, we're fighting for, other than the fact that as a player, I know this is a Zelda game, and I'm supposed to save Zelda. Right, and I'm supposed to say yes. <laughs> and you're supposed to say yes, because that's what Link does. But Link is a, is a nothing character. There's There's nothing to him, and... Like you introduced me today, I would rather have made my own guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because because Link himself offers so little, right? Like he he's basically a figurehead for for a franchise, and they've worked the lore around that. Um, but yeah, like he he's not so interesting himself. Pretty much, um, you know, I was more willing to accept it in Twilight Princess. Um, I just feel like he had a bit more personality in that game. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, if I were to replay that now, I might not still agree with that but yeah here he's he's just blank slate um and he, i don't know his struggle or his relationship to zelda doesn't matter at all and you get so few tidbits 
uh, of that, especially if, if you don't go looking for it. You might not see any of that before you head to Ganon, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, so so coming back to our point there, there's no real, in my opinion, no real appreciable or or valuable to me lore exposition here as a reward. There's nothing cool I'm seeing, like... I, I can't remember what area it was, but like Hateno Castle, I think, or there's this really cool dam-looking area, like this massive dam, um, visually like embedded in this cliff. And I, I thought that was really cool, but you learn nothing about it. Right. Um, so there's no reward mechanically from combat. Like, it's not an RPG. I'm not going to gain levels or get stronger. If anything, I've wasted resources to do this. Um, yeah, to, that's a fair point to make. Like, anytime you're getting into a combat, there's a good chance you come out worse than you went into it, right? <laughs> so I'm sure. Yeah. Especially oh, yeah. on master mode. Yeah, definitely. Um, um, I avoid combat most of the time. Yeah, and again, it's it's not so fun inherently. The combat's pretty weak in this game that you you want to do it just for the hell of it either. Um, yep. I, I have a bad habit of of in action games and stuff feeling like I have to engage whatever is in front of me. So I know for this game, if there was a group of enemies, I fucking went right through them and killed them all just because that's how I have to do it. <laughs> that's how my brain is wired. But yes, I would almost be frustrated at the end of it because they'd be like, God damn it, I busted on my best shit and I have just these shitty Bacoblin sticks now. God damn it. How, how, just explain to me how that is some sort of genius game design decision or at least, I don't know, let me be disappointed with that. I get very frustrated with a lot of the um, internet uh, defenders of the whole weapon-breaking system. Fine if you like it. Fine. I disagree. I think it's poorly designed. The The primary goals of it, I think, are kind of poorly realized. Um, but whatever. If you like it, so be it. But there's so many times I've seen people just mildly state that they didn't really like the weapon-breaking and they found it really like we said detracted from the goals or from the incentives to explore and from the rewards to exploration and i just see people jump down their throats and say like how can you not realize how genius this is it forces you to adapt to your situation and play with weapons you might not otherwise play with well okay great but the weapons all basically play the fucking same they're not so interesting i'm like wow now that i'm using this spear that i never would have used otherwise this is a whole new game thanks Nintendo I would have missed out on this if my sword hadn't broke like that's not what's <laughs> happening and they're being I think pretty disingenuous about just how successful this whole weapon breaking thing is I, I, I so I said early on I, I do appreciate in some ways um, how it forces you to change your perspective a bit but my argument against that would be this is an open world game they're telling me that I'm the princess's knight and that I'm a great warrior but I don't get to engage with the, with the game as if I'm I'm that um, mm. because my shit constantly breaks and I have to avoid combat. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, yeah. or, or Link the Great Warrior puts on stealth armor and ninja kills everybody. Um, right. You know, that's certainly not the vision of Link I have in my head, right? But I, I don't get to... I shouldn't say I don't get to, but it's more, often more efficient um, with the way this is set up to not engage with the game that way, especially on master mode. Yeah, for sure. Um, Let, back, back to the, the story bits a little bit. Sure. Um, and in the lore and stuff, I think this game would have been, um, like, it would have been a, done a huge service if they had kind of approached lore discovery the same way that a Souls game does, 
albeit a little bit more intentionally and less you know hidden in item descriptions. Hmm. But my my actually most positive memory of Breath of the Wild, and I'll come back to my overall impressions. And you know, I, I played the shit out of this game when it first came out, so I definitely had some serious enjoyment. But the thing that I remember now reflecting back on the game most is actually Ganon's Castle number one. I think that that was the strongest part of the game for me because it was so different from everything else. I actually felt like there, there was a map, right? There was a fucking dungeon map for the castle, which was amazing. Hmm. Um, but the best part was finding some of these secret rooms that were tucked away that had little diaries from Zelda or from the king and, and just reading their thoughts kind of, you know, organically as I, as I discovered it through my exploration. That was really, really cool, and I wish that there was so much more of that throughout this game. The shrines could have been that, you know, some version of that. But instead, what you get is, is I don't know how many memories there are, 12? Is that right? Uh, I, I don't remember the count. Okay. It's not, Anyways, it's not there, there's, there's a certain number of these memories you can go access, and you basically get a cutscene of what happened back in the day. In my opinion, the cutscenes mostly suck. I really didn't care for that cast of four supporting characters, like the bird, the Zora, the Goron, and... The, the champions. The ch- yeah, the champions, thank you. And then the the girl that runs the Gerudos. I don't know, I just... They were all pretty poorly realized, in my opinion, and not very well written, and certainly not very well voice acted, but they're also... They're so... They're not, they're not organic, right? You're always like, okay, go find the memories, here they are, run to it, get it over with, okay, run to the next one, get it over with. It, it's not paced well, you find them kind of, you know, because you... I hardly ever stumbled on any is what I should say. I, when I went to find the memory, it's because I made a point of doing it finally. Right. Because I felt like I had to. Um, but then, again, I got seven exposition dumps that were bad and not particularly interesting all at once, and then I never did it again. Like, it was just a terrible way to present what could have been this cool, you know, slowly, organically unfolding story. This is obviously a bit of a, a struggle with open-world games, though. Pacing is a hard thing with an open-world game because the player has all the control. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, if they're not going to guide you through the experience, then there's gonna, there are going to be plenty of players that have a poor one in terms of, like, story yeah. delivery. Yeah. I was saying before we started recording, I'm, I'm sure there are players who came upon certain things at just the right time, and it felt like this perfect moment of, of kismet, and this is how it was supposed to play out. Me getting the Master Sword felt amazing. Wow, that was so cool. But then, John, you had mentioned, like, the Master Sword itself is a good example of something that, like, the moment can be completely underwhelming. Yeah, it's the fucking Master Sword. <laughs> but you could, you could discover that long before you have the ability to pull it from that stump. Uh, and the arbitrary requirement of, like, 13 hearts to pull it out. And for so little ceremony, it's for the goddamn Master Sword. It just it felt really underwhelming to me. Yeah. Um, and the Master Sword's amazing for killing guardians and shit, but it also shatters and has to repair. Um, at least that one you get to keep. <laughs> yeah, thank God. But even then, like, I also it takes forever to repair. Um, it's it's also not particularly strong in general, which I, which annoyed me. Like, it's the Master Sword; it should be good overall. But right. really, it's it's a guardian killing weapon, and, and the fact that it broke like as soon as because I didn't know that when I when I was playing the game the first time around, right? And everything was new to us. Um, when I found out the fucking master sword broke too, I was so disappointed. I was like, that, you know yeah. what? This is gonna keep me going. I don't like the weapon breaking system, but if I get a fucking master sword that sticks around, at least that'll be something I can I can kind of play with and forget about this 
you know, tedious weapon breaking shit and just not give a shit if I find a cool weapon now because it, it really doesn't matter. I have the Master Sword. But no, it, it quote-unquote breaks as well. Like, what? Thematically, it makes no sense to me. It's very stupid. Yeah, and, and you know, if you can parry Guardian Beams, it's also kind of useless. <laughs> yes, yeah, if you, with a wooden shield, no less. <laughs> yeah, you can parry those things with the first fucking shield in the game. <laughs> yeah. I'm already out-damaging the Master Sword. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly, and it's more efficient. I mean, but see, I, I can kind of make I can kind of make those back of my brain connections. Like the the way they've set up this world and Ganon or this version of Ganon kind of coming to power as like I don't know Zelda's hold over him comes to an end. You know, she's getting weaker or whatever. It's been a hundred years. I can kind of understand that the Master Sword might not be up to full power, but not none of that is delivered to you. Um. Yeah, like if they would tell me some of these things, I might be able to kind of role play my way into some kind of acceptance of this shit. But right. <laughs> to me, it's all just um, it's presented to me as as a combat mechanic. As a combat mechanic, it isn't fun. Yeah, I should ask: Do you not uh, do you not wear a full uh, Link cosplay when you're playing Zelda games? Of course. Oh, okay, because I but do find I, that helps quite a lot for my enjoyment. <laughs> well, I dress up as Zelda actually. Oh, oh, you're right. Yes, of course. Yeah, that's yeah. perfect sense. Yeah. Uh, and I have a little um, plush, plushie of Lonk on my coffee table. <laughs> Lonk, okay. <laughs> um, there was one more point I wanted to make on this topic. Um, 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 while I'm thinking, was there anything else you wanted to say about kind of the, the pacing and stuff like that that we were harping on? Um... I did want to make a, uh, or just come back to one point I was trying to make though, okay, um, which is just that like, when I'm in the my, the right mood, I, I I actually do really enjoy the way the game is. Um, so the you know part of me wonders how much of this is just, um, I I, don't, I can't say that it's bad. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, because, no, I, I can't either. I, I agree. As much as we're bitching about it, I also can't say it's a bad game. Yeah, because there are times I will come to this and, and for a few hours I will be having an amazing time. But the next yeah. time I sit down to play this, those little nitpicky moments are going to get under my skin and I'm going to just think it's terrible. Yeah. Um, now, my, my experience with the game, I'll talk about this briefly. So, so playing sure. it fresh, um, the, the Friday I picked it up, I had the whole weekend really with no plans. I think I ended up having to go to dinner with my girlfriend's family. And when that rolled around, I felt like I was awakening from a stupor and I like didn't know what I was doing at dinner. I was like, "Where am I? <laughs> like, what is the world? <laughs> I have to interact with people, but but Link, uh, it was weird. Anyways, so it, how do it, I like, solve I this it. restaurant try? <laughs> <laughs> have you guys tried turning the restaurant on its side so the ball will go? <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> uh, I kept trying to lift the table. It was weird. Um. Anyways, so I, I played the shit out of it. It had a complete hold over me that first weekend, and then I mean the week afterwards, I played a lot of this game. And I really felt like it was something super special. And it was. I had some really special moments with it. I actually think uh, Donkey's video, Video Game Donkey's video on Breath of the Wild is a really good example of how much cool, creative, like you said, tinkerer stuff there is and how many neat little systems outside of combat there are that interact with each other mm -hmm. in very clever um, ways that kind of, you know, they, they, they plan your intuition. Like if you think it can it can happen in that game, based on what it showed you, it probably can. If you think you can attach a balloon to that wooden raft and then blow it into the sky, you could probably do it. 
Um, and it's it needs to be definitely applauded for those for those things. But but where I started to then become disappointed and, and kind of end up where I am today, which is just wishing that there was something more to it, is you know thirty hours in, and granted that's a long time, right? Thirty hours of, of enjoyment is, is a great value. So I got my money's worth. But that's when I really started to see that that around every corner, after every little shrine, after every little detour into an empty cave. <laughs> The reward was always the same. It was always the same shit. It was always in the service of the same shit, which was, you know, getting a new weapon that breaks or, or whatever it was. Right. And as soon as I realized the game couldn't keep up that that kind of, you know, magic, it, it couldn't keep up those moments of wonder, then it got kind of disappointing. And then I was like, okay, well, if, if exploring the open world isn't really going to show me anything new anymore, I guess it's time to really focus on, you know, actually attacking the story. And then, you know, and I think that's probably how a lot of people played it, right? They, they kind of let the game take them where it will. And then when you get a bit tired of that, you just kind of, you, you hate finish it. And then you, you put it away. <laughs> and interacting with the story then all at once was, was also pretty disappointing. Like, I, I think the story in this game is pretty lackluster. The dungeons suck. I wouldn't even really call them dungeons. Um, one of the things that was nice about Skyward Sword, uh, and this was, you know, this is a benefit of just Zelda games, is if I was getting kind of sick of the game... Sometimes a good dungeon would totally turn it around for me. And I'd be like, you know what? I was getting really sick of this, like, you know, between dungeons bullshit, because Skyward Sword has tons of fucking bullshit. Uh, but then that dungeon, you know, fucking rocked my socks off. The boss was awesome. Okay, I'm back in it for a while, because if there's more of this coming, I'm definitely, I can suffer through a little bit of slog. And this game just, it stops delivering that 100%. Uh, yeah, definitely agree. I've never managed to finish this game. Um, oh, really? Oh, yeah, I did finish it. I've tried, but I, 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 find, I feel no incentive to go save Zelda. <laughs> have Have you explored the castle? Uh, I think when I first got it, uh, and, and you, you were saying before that you got tons of time out of it, so I, I want to iterate here also. Like I, I got my money's worth. I probably had like fifty hours in this game, right? Um, combined with like my my master mode, messing around now, but. Uh, I think the first time I went to the castle and and explored a little bit of it, but I I didn't get far. I, I think around that time I was like, I'm really bored. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, I, I I definitely got bored of it myself. I I think I don't know. I don't have a whole lot more I want to say about Breath of the Wild. I don't think. Is there anything else that we haven't? Uh, oh, John, there was sorry. There's a very important thing here. There was in our pre-podcast planning. There's a there was a golden opportunity for you to make a comparison to Xenoblade or Xenoblade, <laughs> that game you've never heard of before, um, because right. because we were going to talk a little bit about just open worlds in general, and I think that you made a good point about something Xenoblade does that maybe Breath of the Wild could have done to to you know have the same advantage. But what is that, John? Um, I want to point out I I absolutely adore Xenoblade X um, more than the other mainline entries, which uh, it seems a lot of people disagree on, but. Something I liked that it did, and because Monolith, uh, Monolith Soft, like they're just fucking masters of creating these open worlds. Um, between those open world exploration moments, when you when you decide to go tackle a, a new story chapter, you're locked into the story chapter. Like you know, you know, you've made the choice. I'm going to go deal with this part of the story, and they lock you in, and they treat it a lot more like uh, um, just a more fo- focused plot-driven game, right? So for, for that time, the cutscenes are more impactful or they exist because <laughs> they, they usually don't. Um, I, I would have liked to see that in in Breath of the Wild, like 
it's it's okay that if you lock me into a two or three hour difficult awesome themed dungeon like you gave me the choice to decide i'm going to interact with that i understand what happens if i hit yes to the prompt like i I can deal with it i would have preferred that you have some of these moments that are sectioned off from the big world if it means you can deliver a better experience yeah for sure Um, i I feel like xenoblade i feel like xenoblade with the story and the way some of those cutscenes hit i feel like they, they did a good job there yeah, I, again, so just, just to kind of quickly touch on this again. So for me, open world games and, and pacing is a huge problem again because players can do too much of what they want when they want. And, and we're, you know, <laughs> it's it's hard to pace things out that are that are linear, right? It's hard, to, it's hard to have a story that you get to just tell someone to their face and they have no control over it and pace it well. So now to have that person be able to say, you know, oh, you were talking about, your character eating ice cream. Well, I want to spend two hours uh, on this fucking ice cream train, and we're just going to eat 20 different flavors of ice cream, right? Players will <laughs> indulge in this shit to the point where they then get sick of, of your of your whole whole thing, right? Because they, they've, they've done too much stupid inane bullshit because it was really fun for a time, but if you do too much of anything, well, it starts to, you know, the rewards diminish. So I think Breath of the Wild would have benefited from from being a little bit more directed and how it it kind of forced you to interact with the story so one of the things about xenoblade is those those kind of forced story moments you still have the choice of course of choosing to begin them but eventually you're going to kind of more or less do all the side stuff you want to do and then there's not going to be more side stuff available to you until you do more story right like this uh, the story sorry go ahead uh well um i was just going to say um pretty much nail on the head there um Something I like about um, Xenoblade X is a lot of the world is open to you right away on foot. Um, right. Minor spoilers here, but later on in the game you get to travel through the world uh, in the air. I won't tell you how in case you want to play it, but that unlocks access to some areas you couldn't get to before. Just sorry but, for the record. For the record here, John, the the game. I mean, you you've seen the ca- the cover of the game, right? Yes. Yeah. So <laughs> I, mean, I kind of feel like you'd be allowed to say what it is, but fair enough. <laughs> Uh, no, no, no. That is uh, a loader skill, and all it does is construction work. <laughs> uh, uh, You'll see one of those in the city early on. Don't worry. <laughs> it's not a sign of anything to come. <laughs> no, no, no. It's, it's, it's weird that they chose that. <laughs> um, what the hell was I talking about? <laughs> um, uh, oh, just, uh, yeah, like... Yeah, I like open world games. So, like you were saying in in in, the, in games like with pacing like that, geez, I can't fucking talk today. In open world games with that kind of pacing, you can overindulge yourself and get sick of it. But Xenoblade yeah. X is a lot more mechanically rich to me. Uh, True, it, it's more of an RPG, right? There's a lot of stuff I like to tinker with that uh, will divert my attention for like ten hour chunks. Yeah, you know, I'm, but I'm there's, go there's also where there's out. something to sh- there's something to show at the end of that too, though, right? Yeah, exactly. I'm I'm progressing my character. I found some new gear. I'm I'm fleshing out my build, etc. And then I'll go engage with the story and, and, and like unlock the next, um, not really the next area, but you know more lore or a new party member or some new way of accessing the world. Um, that doesn't happen until pretty late. So you are on foot for the majority of the game uh, and a lot of it is open to you right away um, yeah. which I, I do appreciate but I didn't get sick of it there the way I did here because 
Breath of the Wild feels so damn empty. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it does. It really does often feel very lonely. Um, and, and yeah, I don't know. It just, it became less and less fun to explore, for sure. This is, so I'm really, really intrigued by Elden Ring's decision to have, like, more of an open-world game design. And, and I'm actually pretty positive on it, on the idea, because, one, they've said that there's, like, eight different areas that kind of branch off of this kind of central open uh, open world area. Right. And each of those eight areas has what they've described as more or less a legacy dungeon. So it's going to have kind of a typical Souls-like area that you go through, which is awesome. So I know I know there's going to be some awesome Souls content there for sure. Sweet. And it gives them the, the opportunity to do something really... I don't know. I think that if they can capture the magic that Breath of the Wild had for me for, you know, 10 or 20 hours with exploring the world in this kind of central centralized open world area in Elden Ring, but also the rewards for doing those explorations are going to be permanent in this game because they're going to be like abilities and spells and, and weapons I get to keep. That's really promising to me. Um, for sure. I think I think that one of the big benefits of an open world game is you can you can, if, if you're lucky and your player cooperates and does the right things at the right time, you can have these moments that feel super one in a million and organic and like, wow, nobody else could have done that the way I did. That felt so cool. Um, a downside here for me, though, is, is this is kind of the completionist in me that, that like screams out in pain. With open world games, I'm always so fucking worried I'm missing something. Because there's so much to go see and do, so so right. like it can I can I can suck the enjoyment out of it myself by worrying that I didn't thoroughly explore this enormous fucking map, right? Like it, it's too big to see and do everything in in a fun, well-paced way. To to really right. completionist it, you'd have to be methodical, and it would be unfun. Uh, that'd be like going for all 999 Korok scenes in Breath of the Wild. Like that to me Fuck is like a, a, a version <laughs> of hell. Like, <laughs> so, um, yeah. So I, I hope that Elden Ring manages to capture kind of the the best aspects of of the open world without letting it totally drive the rest of the the game design and game flow. And it sounds like there it's a hybrid, right? So I, I'm I'm quite excited to see how they how they make that work. I think it's going to be good. Yeah, definitely curious for that. Um, I've got high hopes for it because FromSoft has hit damn near everything out of the park. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I had a note here I just wanted to bring out quickly. Sure. And um, I, I phrased it in a way that I still like, which was Breath of the Wild is too much tell and not enough show. <laughs> mm. um, y- you know, you get told that you've lost your memories and that you've got to save Zelda, but those memories are so low impact. The characters in the world, because it's been a hundred years, despite being able to see Ganon, like circling around the Hyrule Castle, there's like no sense of urgency in this world. Yeah, for sure. Um, Even there's like barely a mention of this blood moon thing that suddenly (laughs) revives fucking monsters the world over. And just like one guy who's afraid of it. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, that's a fair point. Um, is I, yeah, when when I'm playing that, I just I don't get the reward I got out of other open world games like like Xenoblade. So, uh, but you you made a, a quick mention of just how quiet the game is sometimes, quiet and empty. In the right mood, I really enjoy that quiet atmosphere. 
Mm. Like the really subtle piano and the stealthing around and all that stuff. So <laughs> even after all this bitching, there are some times where I could sit down and play that game and have a great time. Yeah, but no, that's, that's funny. I actually, just to talk on the music quickly, I, I did really miss like those awesome bombastic Zelda themes. Like I really felt yeah. like they were missing from this game. I, I get it would have been hard with the open world, especially because like 90% of this game is you just walking around a gigantic map, right? Like there's no clear boundaries to different zones and stuff. Yep. So I can appreciate the difficulty of coming up with a an ever-changing soundtrack that made sense and, and flowed well. Uh, but that doesn't... I don't, I'm not going to excuse them for that. You know what I mean? <laughs> I, I still found the, the soundtrack more or less completely <laughs> underwhelming. And, sure. and forgettable. Completely forgettable. The only thing I remember is that, that song they played in the the trailers um yeah anyway well okay, are, you here's tell- a fun are you telling me you don't remember that one piano chord <laughs> <laughs> that one they play over and over and over and over again <laughs> yeah, i actually don't, don't remember, remember it. it so yeah that's not a memorable chord you should have picked a minor <laughs> chord um <laughs> here's a fun here's a fun music fact for you for a while i i had this little trio of notes da 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 Ba, ba, ba. and i was like what what is that fucking from and i was like i think it's zelda and i was i was telling my girlfriend like do you know what this is and she was like oh that's that bug snacks song so she ended up playing bug snacks on the playstation 5 uh because it was free on game pass the, or not game pass jesus on playstation plus the one month and, and she actually loved it and i watched her play and it was a fun little game um but there was a there's a band called caro caro bonito who, who made a song for Bug Snacks? You probably heard it in the one uh, commercial. And it goes, kind of bugs and kind of snacks. Try to catch them in your trap. Anyways, there's a part where it goes, da da da, bug snacks. So that da da da, that's the same trio of notes that opens the Zelda Breath of the Wild theme. So oh, there you go. Everybody, I know everybody was dying to figure out what that connection was. <laughs> between bug snacks and breath of the wild and, and that's it you did it so we bug snacks it. is secretly a zelda game oh yeah absolutely yeah yeah so if you're gonna play bug snacks make sure you put on your your link cosplay to get full enjoyment out of that this is this is the fever dream of that bug collector girl from twilight right <laughs> yeah there's oh yes agatha i think that's her name agatha, and then there's there's beetle before that he's always your bug guy right um, oh, I, I quickly want to make a note that I'm going to step away from the mic for this. Whenever you like um, enter Beetle Shop in Skyward Sword, he he makes this sound. He goes like, "Ah!" And then and then when you buy something, he goes, "Thank you." It's like it's a great impression. Really, really ear piercing every time. And I, I I don't know, just a weird decision. But that's Skyward Sword for you. Um, okay. Anything else you want to say about uh, Breath of the Damn Wild? Uh, no, I don't think so. Um, I guess, you know, I hope the sequel fixes some of these issues. Um, although I honestly don't expect to enjoy it much. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I'll be honest, I don't expect them to change much as far as the mechanics of Breath of the Wild. Like, I expect weapon breaking to be a thing. I'd be over the moon if they decided to change that, but I don't think that they will. Oh, I, I did have one note on, on that subject, which is if they're going to break, at least don't have them disappear. Give me the option to, like, repair my favorites later. Yeah, for sure. 
um, or yeah. just some kind of permanence because I, I don't know maybe I went out of my way to go to this hard place early to get my favorite weapon or shield um, even if it's kind of difficult let me put in the work to keep these things yeah I have seen that that comment made before that like oh if, if it, they didn't break you could just go to this place that has an awesome weapon and you'd be able to cheese the whole game and it's like well one maybe that's not so wonderful game design but two, if it's really hard to get there and getting that awesome weapon is a, a very difficult thing to do with three hearts, well, you know, fuck you. Let me reap the reward of, of doing the hard thing early. That's one of the... That, sequence breaking is a fun thing in video games. Oh, yeah. I'm all for giving people uh, those choices. Um, it's just I would have liked that choice to matter more. <laughs> yeah. Go, absolutely. Yeah, so uh, I guess that's, overall... That's kind of it for my thoughts on that, though. Yeah, we're, we both think, I mean, we're, we're a couple, we like to nitpick for sure. I'd say John is probably the, the master of picking nits of, of any, anyone I've ever met. And he's always got very good points, um, which is always frustrating because if it's something that I like and then he starts picking nits, I'm always like, yeah, you're not wrong. But fuck you, it's good. Hey, um, I try not to pick those nits until I know you're done playing, but on this yeah, podcast, yeah. I can't you've do You've learned. You, you, you've learned. So thank you for that. Um, but no, I mean, again, overall, I'm still mostly positive on Breath of the Wild. I, I am kind of itching to do a replay at some point. I wonder how far I would end up getting, just because, like I said, I kind of know, I know it's over every corner, um, or around every corner, I should say. But I'd say overall, I'm mostly positive. It, it's to me a good game with great moments that could have been great overall, but it, it fell short in too many ways. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Yeah. If, if they can find a way to iterate on this and, and not, you know, do the Nintendo thing of, of, like, just throw out the last version of the game's best ideas for a whole new gimmick, if they can avoid that instinct <laughs> this time, I think that they could really, like, get towards making one of the best games ever. But Yeah, I hope they just keep iterating and bring back some of the more traditional elements, some of the better traditional elements from Zelda. Yeah, find the balance. Find like they went so right. hard in this direction. They like the pendulum swung insanely the other way, right? Right. Um, and, and I mean the problem here, well, not problem, but one of the the backdrop here, I should say, is that this was a, a huge, huge financial success, a huge critical success. Like they have no incentive to, <laughs> to change things from that standpoint. So I hope that they can just see you know where they can do things better and don't just see the dollar signs and keep you know everything that they they know quote-unquote works the same because it's it sold well before but yeah i'd really like to see some accurate polling data or something on on like fan opinion here uh I, you know i guess sales speak for themselves but at the same time it's zelda so it's probably always going to do well right um because i you know i'm sure there are tons of fans that don't want to see this formula change now um mm-hmm. i i just like to see how many there are uh, who want it to continue this way and how many like us want to see some, some more iterations. Yeah, yeah. Now, that, John, I don't know how you keep setting me up for these incredible segues, but that <laughs> segues incredibly into uh, the new Pokemon Arceus game. The first time the Pokemon company has ever tried to iterate on something. Incredible. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, interestingly, that so it's, it's a new Pokemon game that's open world, so this also suits our topic quite well. It was announced a while ago, I think a couple months ago now, um, and it looked intriguing. You kind of you're, you play a, a, a kid who's who's part of this kind of ancient Pokemon village, and it, it, there was some more news dropped on it today or yesterday that I think the goal of the game or the the kind of setting is that you're 
filling out the Sinnoh Pokedex for the first time ever. So you're kind of cataloging this area's Pokemon for the first time in history. Um, hmm. But it's all, again, set against an open-world game design. If you're going to fight other Pokemon with your Pokemon, it's all done in real time by you know bringing them out on the open world. You can catch Pokemon without even having to engage them in battle, first of all. You can just throw Pokeballs at, at wild, unsuspecting free creatures and imprison them forever. Um, so it, it looks yes. intriguing. <laughs> yes! Um, there's, like, cool traversal on different mounts. I saw that you were, like, flying by holding on to a kite that was being lifted by a, a bird Pokemon at one point. So it looks it looks cool. Mm. I, I'm happy to see some iteration here from the Pokemon company. Pokemon Sword and Shield, to me, was a, a pretty giant letdown overall. Um, some great new Pokemon designs, but Pokemon as a franchise needs to evolve beyond just, look, there's 100 new Pokemon, so spend the 80 Canadian dollars plus tax and play <laughs> the very mediocre game built around these cool new Pokemon. They need to, I don't know, the effort with Sword and Shield to me just wasn't totally there. I think it was a pretty mediocre product by the end of it all. But this this has me intrigued. Have you, have you looked at it at all, or do you have any thoughts on it whatsoever, John? I know you're not the biggest Pokemon guy anymore. Um, I mean, I still love the idea of Pokemon. I don't think I've truly enjoyed a Pokemon game since the original Red and Blue. Um, not e- Wait, sorry, not even Silver and Gold? I never really, I wasn't really... I didn't. I didn't really have access to those at the time, um, and I never really went back to revisit them. So my oh, Pokemon geez. memories are still like classic Pokemon, um, and the card game, of course. I love Thumb Dent. Yeah, um, no, yeah, no kidding. But I, I can kind of tie these together, I guess. Um, you know, I'm willing to forgive a lot of these kinds of flaws, like with Breath of the Wild. If um, yeah, I'm not really a role player, but if there's a bit of uh, an aspect like that where I really feel like I'm this character, right? Or I can really get into this character's shoes. Because Link right. is, is nobody, that's really difficult to do. But I feel like a Pokemon setting lends itself to that really well. Um, you are somebody traveling around the Pokemon world trying to catch all the Pokemon and be a great Pokemon trainer. If they do that right, that'd be, fa- that'd be fantastic. Um, yeah. I, could probably, I could probably get into that more than I could Breath of the Wild. Um, so I, I hope they do it right. And I hope they get yeah, rid of the uh, fucking Dynamax. <laughs> oh, they well they will. So 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 this is the funny. The Pokemon's probably the worst series for this, where they 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 never iterate on the best things they come up with, right? They always chuck the things that worked well before and make a new gimmick that is you know sometimes good, sometimes terrible. Uh, Dynamax was super super fucking lame in my opinion. Um, and and yeah, I, I don't. I'm sure that's not going to make a comeback. They, they always do this weird region thing, right? Like. The Galar region, which was the the one based on the UK, they have Dynamax because of their unique geography and, and stuff like that. And, and and then they throw it away because, oh, well, the next game's not set in the Galar region, so we have to have a new thing. I um, see. They're like weird slaves to this tradition. I, I don't really understand it. I, I, yeah, I wish, I wish they would just keep taking the things the fans of the games love that they've come up with and just keep making them better and better. Um, I think Mega Evolutions was something that was more or less enormously popular uh it was so cool to see new evolutions for pokemon that hadn't had them in you know decades it was cool to yeah. see i was gonna like say new... too that seems like the best thematic fit yes thematically a great a great choice um and it gives them an easy way to to add evolutions to pokemon who have never had an evolution but clearly needed one you know what i mean mm-hmm. like fan fan favorites from gen one who just are just the one pokemon and they never evolve so yeah the fact that they've essentially I think they did that for two or three of the 3DS games, and then it kind of went the way of the dinosaur. I just don't understand that impulse. Um, 
Yeah, so I hope that Pokemon Arceus doesn't get bogged down in, in weird gimmicks and it just focuses on delivering a cool open-world Pokemon experience that isn't too empty and, and the stakes feel high. I wish that Pokemon would stop being so... I feel like such an infant playing those games. Like, they, like they're like they directed <laughs> at literal babies. Because, like, Gold and Silver, it's not this super mature theme or anything like that, but, like, Team Rocket is an actual kind of interesting villain. They they have interesting villainous designs on the world, and, and you getting involved in stopping them actually has, like, some interesting consequences for the world for the better, right? So you, you kind of feel cool when you take down giovanni and and stop team rocket's evil plan they've had some decent you know bad guys in the past uh after team rocket although i still think team rocket was the best especially because they were in the first gen and the second gen and their story carried on between those two games which you might not know because you never played the fucking second gen you weird person (laughs) um but in so just to quickly nitpick on on sword and shield here they're like the bad guys in that game are basically just super fans of one of your other rivals who you're on amazing terms with because the other thing these games refuse to do is give you an asshole dickhead rival that you can hate the whole time instead <laughs> they give you four or five best friends stop doing that why why do you do this to me <laughs> anyway so yeah i hope i hope that they they make some serious changes there I'd, I'd just love to see there's so much potential with pokemon it could be so much more so Anyways, it, it's me. I bought Skyward Sword HD. Fucking fuck knows I'll buy the next Pokemon game. So I don't really have any clout here, but yeah, <laughs> I, hope, I hope they change it. Yeah, it's hard to um, it's hard to kind of stomp down that new game excitement, even when you know better. <laughs> it is, especially when you're you're finally an adult and you have some you know mild disposable income and you can actually afford these things now. It's I, I very almost easy. bought. I knew I would not enjoy Pokemon Sword and Shield, but I still almost bought them. <laughs> <laughs> that's yeah, that's funny because because I know for a fact you wouldn't enjoy that game, those games at all. So if you'd bought that, I would have made fun of you for sure. <laughs> but then you would have had seventeen examples to hit me back with. So anyway, there we go. Yeah. Um, okay. Anything else you wanted to say about uh, Xenoblade Chronicles X before we wrap up here, John? I love that game, and I want a sequel. Okay. Very good. Um, I think that's about it for today's podcast. Um, I just want to shout out that we do in fact have a subreddit. It's reddit.com slash r slash branching path podcast. You can also find this on Twitter at branch path pod or just search branching path podcast and we'll come up. I have tweeted 11 times over the past week and I'm getting very little engagement. So a lot of work <laughs> needs to be done here by the fan base. Uh, please, please like those tweets. I'm putting it. I'm not a big social media guy. This is not easy for me. So please like those tweets. Look, all three of you, you you need to at least look at these tweets. Well, and you should probably have at least seven to eight burner accounts on Twitter so you can contribute seven to eight likes each because if we're not getting 20 likes, like, what am I doing this for? Break out those sock puppets, people. Yeah, let's go. Let's go. You can use us to search dirty things on Twitter, too. Come on. Um, Okay, well, that's it for today's episode of the Branching Path Podcast. Thank you very much for listening. We will talk at you next time. Thanks, everybody. Bye.